Good morning, everyone. So Forge is the name of our new men's ministry here at Lakeland. I want to start off to say that men face unique pressures. Men face unique pressures. Now, I don't know how that's going to land all of you. Some of you are like, what? what's this going to be about? Or I don't know. So before we go there, I want to tell a story. I was called to jury duty about a year ago. And when we got to the voir dire, uh, we were told that this was going to be a sexual assault case. And so the lawyer asked, how many of you in the room have been a victim of sexual assault? Every woman in the room over 60 raised her hand. There was like 13, 17, somewhere in there. They all raised their hand. So then the lawyer asked the next question. Well, uh, it has to go one by one. Was it reported? No. Why not? It was a different time back then. And her words became exactly the words that all 13, 17 women would use. We had to listen to it each time. Was it reported? No. Why? It was a different time back then. Every single woman. So whatever this is going to be about today, whatever men's ministry in our church is going to be about, I want to assure you it's not about going back to some other time when men had some sort of a power over women that we never should have had in the first place. It's not about going back to some other age when women had less privileges and less rights and less protections or, or anything like that. Anything like that. We are about looking forward. We're about looking forward to what Christ has for all of us, all of us together. What I'm talking about is more this kind of story. Uh, I was in a room where a, a young man had just started a small group for for uh, young fathers, and it was growing very quickly. Lots of young fathers were joining the group, and he was asked, why do you think your group is so popular and attractive? And he said, because these days there is no safe place for a dad to say, sometimes being a dad bites. And the room exploded. It exploded with moms. One said, oh, come on. And you're saying it's not hard to be a mom? And another one said, oh, you got to be kidding me. And then another one said, oh, come on. And, uh, and, it, and the room just came undone. Now, I was in the room, and he didn't say any of that. So, so why didn't I stick up for the guy? Because when there's a, a huge conflict like that, there's fight and flight and freeze. And you can just stick me right in the freeze category. I'm just like... <laughs> Now, there's definitely some other guys in the room who are definitely fight. Why didn't they say anything? Because I think his point was made. He just said, there's no safe place for a dad to say, sometimes being a dad bites. And there wasn't. So I think as far as all the fighters were concerned, nothing more need be said. Uh, after this uh, first service, a man came up to me and he said, when my stepson passed away, the only son I'll ever know. He said, for the next year and a half, everybody asked my wife how she's doing. Everybody asked me, how's your wife doing? He said, only one person ever asked me, how are you doing? The church has a long tradition of perpetuating this kind of behavior. Look at how we handle Mother's Day and Father's Day. Mother's Day in church, a day for gratitude, a day to appreciate mothers, a day for an outpouring of love and support, and rightly so. But what often happens in church a month later on Father's Day? A day for guys to come in and get a smack. Why aren't you more spiritual? Why aren't you the leader of your home? Look at these statistics. You're destroying yourself, your family, and all of society. This is how we do this. Why do we do this? 
God made you for more, men. I'm not here to compare pain. I am not here to make men out to be the victim of anything. I'm here to say the human experience is hard. Being male is hard. Being female is hard. Being old is hard. Being young is hard. All hard for different reasons. But I want to say for the hard that men face, I find there is very often little help. And I also want to say that when men don't have support, they often cope in destructive ways. The Bible tells us a story of two sons coping in destructive ways. One son, he can't wait to get out of the house and get started with his life. If only his dad would die a little faster so he could get that inheritance. But uh, it's not happening. So finally, he just asked his dad, can you just pretend to be dead and just give me my part of the inheritance early? And the dad does it. And so the son goes off, it says, immediately squanders everything on women and food and song until he's flat broke. He's working as a farmhand, um, feeding pigs, which was not a great job for a Jewish kid. And uh, he's thinking about eating the food the pigs are eating. He's so broke. Now, the Bible tells us there was another son, an older son, and he stayed home. And he ran the family business, and he did what he was supposed to, and he stuck by the dad's side, and he never threw parties, not even with his own friends, not even with his friends who worked there on the estate. And, uh, and, 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 and he's trying to earn his father's love. He's trying to do the right thing. So much so that when that younger son gets his head right and comes home, and the father's all excited to see him, this older son's disgusted. He can't even come into the house during the party. He's like, I've been here my whole life. I've been doing the right thing. Now this ingrate comes rolling in and everybody throws a party for him. Jesus tells us both of these sons are in big trouble. But Jesus also tells us that God is the father of them both. God has a redemption for them both. So as a man, whether you're more like the prodigal, the rebel who wandered out and squandered a lot of what you were given or whether you're more like the dutiful older son who stayed in the family and stayed at work and stayed in church and did it right, and now you're just a cranky curmudgeon that looks around at all these other mess-ups, God is calling you today, whichever son you are. How do I know? Because Jesus said the father was standing out on the porch every day looking for that wandering son, and when he just came over the hill, he ran out to meet him. And then when that older son would not come in the house, the father left the party and went out and said, Son, you have always been with me. Everything I have is yours. What's going on? Men, whoever you are, God is calling you. Now, I want to proclaim a truth to you today that took me way too long to understand. It's about the sovereignty of God. It's about how God is in control and God's will will be done. And God is our ruler of all the earth. And uh, it took me too long to come to this, but uh, I hope I'll save you some years. Here it is. If you want change and healing in your life, that's a good thing. God wants it too. So therefore, it's going to happen. And God is going to do it. God's going to do it because we don't have the power to do it for ourselves. We can't heal ourselves or fix ourselves. We would have done it a decade or more ago. But God's going to do it, and that's the good news. God wants it to happen. And yet, for some of us, it hasn't happened yet. So what's the holdup? The holdup is, of course, that, that you don't want it yet. Now, some of you are like, oh, now how can you say that? 
How can you stand up there and say that I don't want, how can you say that I want, that I don't want to be uh, addicted to porn anymore? How, how can you say I don't want to yell and, and get angry with my wife and kids and have to apologize all the time anymore? How can you say I don't want to be broke and in debt anymore? How can you say that I don't want to be obese? How can you say that I don't want to have all the struggle that I have in career and work? I want to change. And so if God wants me to change, then why hasn't it happened yet? It's because, man, everything we've talked about are all symptoms. Those things are all just the symptoms of a deeper disease. Pornography and affairs and eating or not eating, that's all medicating some other deeper pain we feel. Yelling and hitting, or maybe you don't do anger that way. Maybe you lock up and freeze everybody out and give everyone the silent treatment, Um, whichever it is. Those are all uh, grappling for a sense of control that you want but don't have. You're broke because you cannot say no to some desire that always wells up in you again. And again, your struggles in work, they come from an empty place in you that needs filling. And God is standing out on the porch, ready to offer you healing for that. Now, very often, we men don't even understand what that is. We think it is the symptoms. We think this is all there is. We don't know that it's coming from somewhere But curing that is the only thing that will will work. If you just keep treating the symptoms, they will always regrow from that root or pop out another destructive way. We'll always come back. You have to treat the disease. You have to locate what the disease even is. And that's what you don't want to do. And you admit that that's what you don't want to do every time you say, I don't need counseling. It's not that bad. I don't need counseling. That's for other people. I don't need to show up to Mercy Street here at the church on Saturday at 530 or anything like that. That's for other people. When when would I do that? I don't need a small group. I'm too busy for that. I did that once in, in 2005. It wasn't that great. I don't have time to pray that way. I don't have money. We don't have money for rehab. I want to be healed so long as nothing drastic has to change. And so long as I don't have to do anything scary or risky. Now, man, I'm not even telling you to get over it and be healed or to suck it up and pull yourself up and be healed. I'm not even saying that. That's not what I'm saying. I believe the Lord already wants you to be healed so much that he's going to allow your symptoms to continue. And those symptoms will become unbearable to you as mine became unbearable to me. And then you will go to him to be healed. And this time, you'll be ready to do anything. And then it will happen. How good is our God that if you don't feel ready for counseling and you don't feel ready for the 12 steps and you don't feel ready for confession, he doesn't force any of that on you. He lets you decide. He loves you enough to let you keep your personhood, even if it's a pretty shabby, tortured personhood. It's yours. He gave it to you as a gift. He does not take it away. 
All I'm doing this morning, men, is, is telling you what the exit signs from your road look like when you're done traveling the loop so that you can take it. I stayed on my loop way too long, so I'm not judging you. I get it. I know how scary all the exits are, even if the loop is terrible. Sometimes you prefer the devil that you do know. But I'm also telling you the truth. It does not get better by itself. It does not get better by yourself. Particularly if you're very young, hear this. You're probably thinking like, well, when I have a girlfriend, it'll get better. When I'm married, it'll get better. When, when I uh, have kids, it'll get better. When I go to church, it'll get better. When I get involved in church, it'll get better. When I become a pastor, it will get better. Let me tell you, none of that works. None of that works. And let me tell you this too. You can't do it alone. That's not the first time you've heard that. You researched that and found that for yourself. You found all those guys saying, you can't do this alone. Now, when I read that, I thought, well, I have to do this alone. I don't have anyone. I don't have anyone I feel like I could share what's going on with me with. I don't have anyone I think cares all that much. I don't have anyone I trust with that information. Lord, I have to do it alone. But it doesn't work that way. And when you're finally ready to come to him, ready to do anything, he also already has prepared for you the others who will do that journey with you. God is able when you are really ready. God is going to empower you. You will not be doing this. God is going to empower you to do all of this. But he's not going to bring you any kind of earthly power. Sometimes you talk about empowerment. People imagine they're going to become powerful the way the world thinks about it. That's not how it goes. This men's ministry is not going to end with everybody tearing off their shirt, quoting Conan the Barbarian, crush your enemies, see them driven before you, hear the lamentations of their women. We're never going to have that men's retreat. God is going to change us into the image of Christ. He's going to make us kings in his image. Now, what's that look like? Jesus showed us in John chapter 13. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and he would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. That was a servant's job back then. Verse 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher... Have washed your feet. You ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will reward you for doing them. Jesus is saying, I am king. I am master. And in this coming kingdom, this is what authority looks like. Serve someone. Serve someone. One of our elders said recently, when a man wants to be the spiritual leader of his home, he needs to know what that means. First one to the cross. When a man wants to be the spiritual leader of his home, he needs to know what that means. It means first one to the cross. First one 
to apologize. First one to take the hit. First one to hear the insult without offering one in return. First one when everybody's saying, why should I have to do that? First one to do that. First one to the cross. Just like Jesus Christ. Men, God has a calling for each of you. God has a calling for each man in the room. But he also has four callings for all of you. For all of us. First, God calls you to receive him. To become a follower of Jesus Christ. Without that in your life, nothing else we talk about today will happen. And the signal that you are ready to receive everything that Christ has for you is, can be a prayer. can be a prayer. You can pray it with me now. You could pray it later this afternoon. You could pray it later in the week for those of you who need time to think about such things. But you just pray a prayer. God, I've tried to do things my way and it has not turned out. God, I have sinned. I have done things that have been destructive to me, destructive and hurtful to those around me, even if it was just ignoring you. God, I hear that your son, Christ Jesus, came to show us your love and your forgiveness. And I believe today that his blood shed on the cross pays for my sins. And I want to take hold of it and receive it and receive your forgiveness. And Lord, I hear that you have a third person, the Trinity, a third presence that will come into my life and guide me and help me live in this new way. So I, I am open to that. I invite the Holy Spirit, Lord, and I will follow the Spirit's leadings and I will live this new life trying to be like Jesus. I will, I will be a Christian. Now, some of you this morning could never pray a prayer like that because you're not sure you believe that sort of thing. I encourage you, if that's you, to try this. Just pray about something. Pick something in your life, something reasonable, something you could observe, and, and pray about it every day for a month. Just like five minutes. Now, five minutes is longer than you think. It's like a walk to the end of your street and back. But even if you're an atheist, pray and see what happens. What do you have to lose? I mean, if there's no God, nothing will happen. But if there is, and over that month, you begin to see something change. You begin to feel a presence, become aware of God. That would be a very, that would be an amazing thing to happen. What's the worst that could happen? What are you afraid of? Try praying. God calls us to receive him. And God calls us to serve him. Getting outside yourself is going to be a very important step. So y'all came to church today, so you know how to find your way here. So you've got to get out of this loop and this habit of it just being you, yourself, and you um, all the time. So uh, you could start just by reading stories to our kids and our kindling early childhood. I went in early childhood once because, you know, pastor, I, I'm doing observations. How the, how's this ministry doing today? And one of the kids comes up to me, would you read me a story? Like, well, sure. So I sit down. As soon as I sit down, the kids pile on. I've got them hanging off every appendage. That was easy. That was easy. They have no idea how terrified of children I am. <laughs> children are like cats. They can pick out that one person. Um, <laughs> So it's awesome. 
You could do that. If I could do it, you could do it. Um, serving, serving coffee at the coffee bar to folks coming in on a wintry day. You can join our facility team and sweep the floor and shine the glass and make this place look like we were ready for people to come. If you have got artistic or technical skill, you could run a, a light board. God will meet you in these simple once or twice a month commitments, and it will get you out of just being yourself. Now, some of you are real cynical, and you're like, ah, oh, okay, he just turned our men's thing. He's trying to get some church stuff done. It's all, it's all a trick. Okay. If I seem like that type to you. Um, yeah, we have needs here in the church. We got, we got a mission to be on. But I know that God uses these things to get us out of the loop and get us outside of ourselves. And I know that serving others makes the best humans. So if you don't trust us, if you think it's some sort of scam going on, find some place. Find some place to serve others in God's name. I just thought, since you seem to know how to get here, this would be horribly convenient for you. But... Do, do what you need to do. God calls us to receive him. God calls us to serve him. God calls us to be healed by him. So as you invite the Holy Spirit in and open yourself up to God's healing, he's going to begin, the Spirit's going to begin giving you these weird little leadings. Like you might be around your nephew. They're home from college for the weekend and you feel this leading like, give him a $100 bill. What college kid doesn't want to go back with a $100 bill? Why would God do something like that? Or, you know, a waitress, you see, it looks like she's having a miserable time. You give her this astronomical tip. Why does God do that sort of thing? He's breaking a chain in you of always worrying about not having enough money. Because you part with a Benjamin, and then you, you, you think it's going to be awful, and then you breathe in this fresh air. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm not scared. Okay, I do have enough. I could be a generous person. God does something. Uh, God will give you this leading, you know, oh, you're going to hang out with so-and-so this weekend. Don't drink this time. Why, is, why, why that? Why, why don't drink this time? Because God wants you to form a real relationship and a friendship with so-and-so instead of just having a drinking buddy and not leaning on that as some sort of crutch. Um, you'll be watching a show one time and God may say, you know, don't watch this show anymore. Every time you watch the show, by the end of the evening, you're looking at pornography. This is the fuse that's lit for the bomb later. Now, other people can watch this show, but you can't. It's the Holy Spirit telling you, you don't need this. You don't need this. The Holy Spirit will say, like, next time you're mowing the grass or next time you're raking the leaves or next time you're shoveling the snow, rather than having some argument with your wife or your boss in your head that you're winning, um, pray for them. Pray about what you're grateful for from that person. Pray about what good you hope happens to them. Pray for them while, you, while you're in that time. Just see what happens. Just see what happens. The Holy Spirit will guide you day by day into these little things that are breaking all these chains that you don't even know are eating you alive. And the more of them you respond to, the more he can give you, the bigger things he can go after. God calls us to receive him. God calls us to serve him. God calls us to be healed by him. And men, God calls you to be used mightily by him. You are on this earth for a reason. And God can do things through your life that you cannot imagine right now where you're sitting. So all of us men have some sort of a vague image of like the Christian man I want to be. Now it's different for different people. Some of you imagine him as a hero and as a warrior and as a protector. And some of you imagine him as a bard, as a poet, as someone who says and creates amazing, beautiful things. Some of you imagine him as a priest 
You know, someone of honor who can lead others into worship and service of God. Some of you imagine him as a sage, someone who acquires knowledge and wisdom and dispenses that back at just the right time. All of you probably imagine him as some kind of lover, someone who loves those around him freely and reflexively and openly, someone who who responds the right way the first time. You know, after you apologize, the dad or husband or friend you try to be after you apologize— you imagine the man of God, somebody who would do, have done that the first time. And all those images are right. All those images are right. One of them is going to be really right for you. God wants that image too. And he can bring you to that. And he can use your broken life in his story. So you and I, we've all done things that we are ashamed of. But don't you know there's other people who have done those things too? If you take this path, someday God can bring those other people to you. And you'll be there saying, I used to be trapped by that too. I used to be a slave to that too. And they'll say, really? You say, yes, now I can't fix this for you, but follow me. I want you to meet my Jesus. And as you're walking, it'll be you saying, you know God wants you to receive him. And he wants you to serve him. And he wants you to be healed by him. He he wants to use you mightily. You are in the church. This is one of the places of God's calling. There's lots of places where God calls to men, but church is one of them. Church is one of those you hear in stories. I was sitting in church one day on a wintry day in January, and God called me. Some of you will do that today. Some of you will receive him. Some of you, you know, you'll walk right out here and know where you need to serve to get outside yourself. Some of you will be healed by him. You're ready to take the exit. As scary as it is, you're ready for anything. You're ready for the exit, and you'll take it today. Some of you are ready for God to use you mightily, and and that will begin. So to all of you, go and do that. But I bet half of you have no place to begin on any of this. You're completely isolated. You don't have anybody to talk to, any tips to get, any models to follow. You don't really have good friends. You really don't have good Christian friends. You're isolated and alone. So everything here sounds good, but way, way mysterious and out of reach. But I want to tell you that God has a a way out of that too. And and I want you to come back next week because we're going to talk about that, how men leave isolation and find good friends and keep good friends and why they need good friends. Now, I want to tell you, it's easier than all the stuff we were talking about today. It's way easier. And it is actually fun. Fun is at the root of it, as a matter of fact. So I want you to come back next week if you're that man who's isolated, like, I have friends, but not not like what you're talking and not to help with what you're talking about. Come back next week. Now, here's a little preview if you want to do a little preview. Tomorrow night is Man Food Monday. It's a new ministry that just started, and tomorrow night's the first one. Second Tuesday, no, no, second Monday, second Monday of every month, men from this church are going to go out, and they're going to answer this question in 2020. What is the best barbecue in Kansas City. They're going to eat it. They're going to score it. They're going to talk about it. And in December, 
We expect a report. We want to hear, according to the Bible, what is the best barbecue in Kansas City? Now, it's going to be fun. It's good food. You just show up here at church at 630 and go out from there. I don't even know where you guys are going. I'm not sure anybody knows where you're going, but you'll be there. Um, You know what else is going to happen while you're eating all that food? You're going to laugh. You're going to talk. By May, you're going to know some people. By June, July, you're going to be friends with some people. Who knows how God may use this by September, October? Who knows? But this is how it starts. This is how easy it is for men. So if you want to try that, all you're going to be out is a bunch of really good barbecue. So come here at 630 and come hungry. Amen.